Welcome to the Warrior Razor Podcast. My name is Nora Johnson. On today's episode, my mom has her good friend Angela Buck on the show. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Good afternoon. I'm so excited to have my good friend Angela Buck with me today. And she is one of my best girlfriends. And it is just an honor and privilege to have her on the podcast with me today. So I'm going to introduce herself. This is the uh, two for one Angela show. uh, And we're both brunettes. So that's fun too. Um, Angela, will you give our listeners the 30,000 foot view of who you are? Yes. And I love that you say that the 30,000 foot view, I I would often refer this also as the three minute elevator spiel, right? You should be able to walk into an elevator with someone and, and share a little bit about yourself in about three minutes or a 30,000 foot view. Uh, My name is Angela. It's so nice to know you guys. I think we're going to have to come up with a really cool tagline, like the, the energizer bunny, double a, like something, double a battery square. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. We feed off of each other's uh, passion and and heart. And I'm so thankful to the Lord for your ministry and for what God's called you to do in this podcast and in in your blog. And and I do want to start this off with saying, if you are listening to this and you have been under the ministry of Angela, you know um, the significance of this. And so we don't take it lightly that we've gathered here today to talk and to chat and have fun, but also to know this ministry is really far stretching. And so we do pray God's blessing on it. And we pray that it touches the lives that God has intended for it to touch. So having said that, that's my moment of encouragement to you. My name is Angela. I am a mama doing life hard, right? I work full time. I am an adoptive mama. I adopted my little boy about six years ago. His name is Elijah Joel and my husband and I work in full-time ministry. And so if you're an unbeliever and, or if you're new to church life, or you're new to this whole living your life for Jesus uh, conversation, I live my life for Jesus. I had the opportunity to do that vocationally, but I also do it just regardless of my everyday. And so I am really big on Jesus. I'm really big on being a mom. I'm super big on fitness and Chipotle and Starbucks, (laughs) Um, Agape now. Also, if you're in Westerville, that's also another one of my hangouts. So my love language is Jesus, my family, food, coffee, and fitness. And so that's pretty much a 30,000 foot view of me. And these are not the sum of you, but they are just, you know, the highlights and the high, high points. That's right. The, the way that Angela and I met, I was attending an interdenominational faith women's conference and I was leading MOPS, uh, Mothers of Preschoolers, a local, local charter at the time. And I heard her talk and share her testimony. And I was sitting there and I thought, oh my goodness, I need to have her come and speak. So I remember going up to you at the end of it and your, your story, you, were, you just shared a beautiful a snippet of your testimony in terms of rejection and the struggle and, and eventual triumph and becoming an adoptive parent. But that whole process, I mean, that's a story in and of itself. You actually, if you, if you have time, you can go back and read Angela's words because she guest blogged uh, on Warrior Razor and she shared kind of a, an in-depth view of that process. But I know I went up to you and I thought, okay, I loved what you had to say would you come speak at our group? And so that birthed our friendship. And I don't know how long ago that was, but since then 
we have kind of volleyed back and forth in terms of, of guest speaking. And <laughs> now I make time for you every month. You are one of those people that I will purposefully seek out and say, Hey, what are you up to? And I think that this is important for listeners. You need a friend that can be that deep well for you that you can go and get encouragement from that'll tell you the hard stuff, the good stuff, but we'll pray alongside with you for yeah. And you are, you are just an encourager. Uh, it, add that to your 30,000 foot view resume. So I love that you are in this full-time season of ministry and full-time season of mothering, because that doesn't go by the wayside, even when you're, you're in this walk. So I have some questions for you and I want to ask you, what is one thing that you wish you would have known before becoming a mother? Mm. Well, you know, we kind of talked through this conversation a little bit yesterday, Angela, you and I did, and I know I said something really profound yesterday, and I really wish I can remember how we started that, but I would say that my biggest, one thing I wish I had known when I started motherhood was that it was not going to be the perfection that I thought it was going to be. Right. And I say that to say, so here I am an adoptive mama. I have gone through so many uh, situations and journeys and emotions and all the hoops and the failures and the the possibilities. There's so much involved. If you are an adoptive mom, you know uh, what I'm talking about. Um, and, And though I don't mean to make light of that, it's just not the time to talk about that. So I've gone through this incredible journey. I'm now a mom. I have this little precious baby boy in my, my arms and it was perfect for about 23 minutes, right? (laughs) And then he pooped or he threw up or, you know, something happened. (laughs) We actually, when we brought him home from the hospital, um, it was January of 2015. And here in central Ohio, we had had a significant polar vortex. So the whole uh, state was just closed down with ice and snow. And we were still dealing with legal proceedings and court dates and different things. So it was a significant impact in our lives that the weather was so bad. And as we were coming home, my son was born about 40 minutes from where we live. And so we had to drive back home to where um, we lived in I actually have it um, saved in our text messages to our family. We brought Elijah Joel into the house. He was in his car seat that we had perfectly planned out. And we had just perfectly, you know, meticulated and um, curated and all of these things in his perfect little bring home outfit. And we set him up on the island and we just looked at him and we just opened up the McDonald's bags and stood there to eat French fries. (laughs) And we just looked at him and we were like, what? do we do? Like, you know, like, I don't know. What do you do? And like, I was like, and you just, regardless if you birthed a child or the Lord puts the child in your arms, instinct and Holy spirit inspiration kicks in and you become a mom. But I wish I had known that, 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 that a beautiful perfection of all the books I had read, the blogs I had followed, the perfect nursery I had curated, all of that though, wonderful and important totally not what motherhood was about. And, um, and all moms can say you have that screeching halt moment where you realize, oh, okay. And you just literally stand there like a zombie in front of a child eating McDonald's French fries thinking, well, nothing prepares you like you, you can do, we do our part. We read the books, we go to the seminars, we do all the things. Nothing really prepares you until you're you've got that little life that's in front of you, and you're like, and now I have to keep you alive, (laughs) alive, alive. I'm pretty sure I dropped my baby. I will never forget this memory and hear me like he's fine and he's safe and all that. But you know the boppy pillow that 
people who birth children use to nurse babies. People who adopt children use those to hold babies up so their arms don't get tired. Right. Like it's the balance of the two worlds, right? And um, I, Elijah Joel, it was a late night and my husband and I were getting ready to put him to bed and I lifted the boppy up and Elijah Joel plumb fell right through that hole, right to the floor. And I was like, I looked at my husband. I was like sleep deprived. I was emotional wreck. I was like, don't judge me. I'm not a bad mother. <laughs> From right from the gate, right out of the gate. Right from the gate. <laughs> name. Will you tell the listeners? Because I'm I mentioned on the podcast before, I like to get to the root of words and purpose and names. And so when you when you uh were able to adopt him, you were very intentional in naming your son. And will you share what that name means? Absolutely. And so I want to say this with a preface that we uh we were 100 percent positive the name was securely what I'm about to tell you. We now realize it might be some derivatives of the language, but that's okay. It's our story and we're going to own it and it is what it is. So my husband actually named our son. We, When we realized that um, he was a boy and he was going to be born, we started thinking of names that flow. My husband is a, a musician. He's a writer. He writes music. So everything for him is very um, melodic, very intentional. You know, it's all about symmetry of tonation and all of that. And if anybody listening to this is married to a musician or, or a music writer, you know what I'm talking about. So he started playing with words and he was like, I really like the name Elijah Joel Buck. Our last name is Buck. And he said, but I, we're really big on foundational names. So we looked it up and God is just faithful. He's just faithful. You know, and Elijah means Jehovah God, the Lord, our God, right? And Joel, the de- or a derivative of Joel means has joined us together. And so through my husband's desire to have a, a good sounding name, came up with a very strong biblical name. The Lord, our God has joined us together. And we really believe with all of our hearts, here's this adoptive family that God joined us together. The plans the Lord has for this child blows my mind. I don't even know. Um, I'm so excited about it. The plans he has for us to have joined us together for this time, it blows our mind on a regular basis. But the foundation of his name is pretty significant in our life. Well, and every time you're speaking that name, you're speaking the Lord is our God. And here's another fun fact. Not only are we Angela's, yes. for those listening, means angel, messenger of God. And I think that there's something to be said about that, too. I think our mothers were very intentional when they named us both that. But my my two boys are Elliot and Elias, which are both derivatives of Elijah. So every time we call their names, we are saying, Elliot, the Lord is our God. Yes, yes, the Lord is our God. So we are speaking those words into the atmosphere. So I think that that's amazing. There's power in that. Okay, yeah. so you've kind of talked about the the adoptive process, and you obviously we don't have the time right now to get into all of that uh, and your journey to get to where you are. But you did have some struggle in getting to that place, and even now as a as a mom of a six year old boy, what would you say your biggest hurdles are your struggles in mothering right now? Because I think because you are in full-time ministry, I think it'd be easy for people to look at her and be like, oh, she's got it all together. Oh, she's with Jesus every day. So Mm -hmm. what look like for you when you're in the thick of it in ministry, hundred percent of the time, but in your in mother percent of the time too, what would you say? You know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday and this might be a little different because I've had time to mull over it. Um, but I think that, um, Raising my son in full-time ministry, I was raised in full-time ministry and and my dad's a pastor. He's a preacher. He's a, he's a beacon of light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I praise God for that. 
So there is absolutely not one thing I would change about the, the environment in which the Lord allowed me to be raised. And I think the same thing about my son. I, we live a very unique life. We live a very, um, at times, very hectic and crazy life. Like Christmas in our family is very stressful. It's not actually a f- enjoyable time. It is enjoyable, but you know, we'll, we'll go through maybe nine Christmas Eve services. And so before I had children, that wasn't a big deal. When you have a child and you have nine Christmas Eve services over the course of two days, um, that changes the dynamic of things. And so um, to speak to the question of the struggle that I deal with possibly now realizing what motherhood, what I thought it was going to be versus what it is, is, is being aware that the comparison that I implemented on myself, no one did this to me. No one slaved me to a phone to look at social media. No one told me I had to go to certain profiles and start comparing my life. No one said to me, Angela, do you know that you're less than Angela? Angela, do you know that you're less than Bonnie or or Susan or Sally? I did it to myself because we all have a desire to be seen and we all have a desire to be affirmed and we all have a desire to, to feel worth in what we're doing. And I think in motherhood, we're so, we're so. Um, I don't want to say we're uh, confused because we're not confused, but we're so every day is like a new day. You're just like, am I doing this right? Lord, am I, you're, you're, I'm not coming up with the right word. We're not questioning, but we're definitely seeking the best that we can present to what God has entrusted us with. And so I think um, one of the things in motherhood that maybe I wish I would have been able to tell my young mom self, and I'm still a young mom, right? My baby's only six. Is, is that don't look to other people, right? Only look to whom God, look to who God has put into your circle of influence, first of all. But secondly, my voice, my voice, listen to my voice. And there's a difference between missional parenting and methodology parenting, right? And so to speak to those two things, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, this is my roadmap right here. My dad um, is a preacher, I just said that. And this weekend, he um, started a series called Seeing Truth Clearly. And he's talking about basically in the big scope of humanity, in the big scope of our world, everything has gotten skewed and people's subjective realities and people's experiences. Yeah, that has become the objective truth. It's no longer, um, it's your experiences and your feelings have become the standard. And he was talking about how many junkyards have the most perfect piece of property in every junk card they get. It's the owner's manual. The owner's manual is never, it's almost always in perfect condition in any junk car you go to. And it's interesting that had they maybe cracked open the owner's manual, maybe their car wouldn't be in the junkyard. (laughs) you know, point. Yeah. Great point. And so I say that from the context of mothering my missional impact in my life that I don't question to this day is where I get my source of truth from my source of foundation. There's actually a verse in Isaiah, it's Isaiah 30 and verse 21. And it says, whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this behind you. This is the way walk in it. And that is the missional method in which we raise our our, child. my husband and I raise our child, but here's where I wish I could have gone back and speak truth to my young mom self. The method that the Lord calls people to raise their children in can vary. It's the same thing as apple pie, right? Hear hear me out. Apple pie is delicious. And most apple pie I consider edible. I wouldn't consider one apple pie over another apple pie unedible but everyone has a different method in how they choose to make apple pie. Sure. You might 
you might go to a woman who decides to put a crumble on or a woman who tries to do double crust or a woman who does a low sugar or a woman who does an all natural or, you know, you can take that illustration forward. But I got myself caught up into the season of trying to match method mm. with different people and method I wasn't called to. And I would try their clothes on and, you know, metaphorically speaking, I would try their parenting styles on and it would, we would all be a mess, you know, especially when they're young. Like when you're dealing with discipline tactics and you're dealing with discipline um, things or, or how you teach your child to pray or how you teach your child to understand the difference between danger and, and fun, <laughs> you know, all of those things. Concrete things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wish I could look back at myself and just, and say, go with what you know. Go with the direction behind you. You're confident. You're intelligent. You've made it this far. And if you make mistakes, it's an opportunity for grace to be shown. Absolutely. And, and so that's what I would tell myself. And we have to remember too that Pinterest is great. Websites, blogs, all those things are great. And those are part of those methods that you're speaking about. But when he has called us to a certain thing and he's entrusted our specific children to us, he will equip up with, we, he'll equip us with the specifics that we need to parent them in the right. I, you know, I actually pray out loud over my boys and, I, and, and my daughter, and I let them hear me pray this, like, God, help me parent them the exact way that you need me to parent them because they're all different. They've all got different personalities. Elijah Joel's personality is different from his bestie friend. You know, those are, those are things that we have to remember as moms. And I think we can be really quick to compare and to be hard on ourselves. And I think that every mom, if we're really honest, we can, we can struggle with this at some point in the mothering game, whether they're newborns. And mm -hmm. we, I, I just saw this meme the other day. It's like, we have this idea that, oh, my child is a genius. They're, they're, they're measuring off the, the charts. And then that's like the first few years of life. And then you're like, oh, okay. The, the, I'm just dealing with an average kid. And it's like, <laughs> Right. We, we have to have the reality of our parenting, but to know that God has given them to us to steward them well and to parent them with the, with the things that we have already that we've been tested to, to use to parent them. I think that's such good advice, such good, sound advice. And, and let me say this to your listening audience, and I think you clarified this, but it's good to try the things that you want to check the methods of. It's You shouldn't get yourself so locked up into legalism that this is the one way and only way. That's not even how scripture is mandated. Scripture allows trial and testing and error to be made because that's how we grow in our faith and our salvation, all those things. And so the same thing with parenting. But when you know that you've, you're in the right place and then you're in the comparison game and then you're in the frustration game and then you're in the, well, I'm not good enough game, that's when you need to back up and punt. And that's when you need to really ask the Lord, show me what your perfect yeah. is. Like, get me back in alignment, get me back in my lane because, you know, but sometimes we step amiss and he'll just gently nudge us back. And when we're feeling those doubts, those insecurities, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit allowing us to say, okay, we're functioning outside of our calling here. Yep. So that's good. That's really good sound advice. Um, let me ask you this. Now we're in a really, we're in a difficult generational time where we're raising kids with a lot of loud voices in the media, even in school systems. What would you say to the parent raising this generation right now? I know that you have a, a unique ministry right now where you are working right alongside mothers right now. And mm -hmm. you, you've probably fielded a lot of questions about this right, right now in your everyday life about what you talk, when you talk to the mom that's got the newborn 
or she's coming right up behind you? How do you shed some light on parenting in this generation, in this season? Yeah. And so that's when I go to um, big sister mode, right? So big sister mode's protective and she's directed. And I will direct people, first of all, to the word of God. And I think so many of us quickly run to self-help books. Hear me. I have a library full of self-help books. I have, I've taught them. I, I give them, I gift them. I, I reread them. You know, they're dog-eared. <laughs> I don't ever turn down good advice from the people I choose to receive it from. But initially I saturate my heart with the word of God. And here's the thing. Yes, the Bible is a manual for parenting. I do believe that there's solid biblical foundation here for how to parent and how to raise your children up. I don't think you're going to find specifics. I don't think you're going to find, you know, my child was in third grade and Proverbs two, and he cussed at the other kid on the school bus. How should I handle that? Right. Because that's going to happen. But I do think that this, the word of God gives us the foundation for integrity, for character, for modeling relationship skills, for modeling communication, for modeling what our priorities are and what we should cast aside. And when we pour those things into our hearts, and I say this to young moms all the time, I say this to Angela Magdalene Carl Buck all the time, full name. (laughs) Practice being in his presence Mm. because I cannot pour out what I have not poured in. And I fail at this, you guys, I really do. I fail at this miserably as much as I even try. I know I could not do more, but I could saturate more. I could spend more time in his presence. And so when the things of God ebb out of me, it makes my parenting a little easier. And so I say that with young moms, that's that big sister in me. If you're spending more time on Instagram, if you're spending more time on social media, on, you know, e-news, you're looking at the hot topic buttons, you're looking at the political things, and that fills 99% of your emotional and mental capacity. And then you go to raise up a child who is being influenced, be it in preschool, even Sunday school, other children that they might come into contact with, you know, in community events. And then they're coming to you with really specific issues that are called worldview issues, right? What are worldview issues? A worldview issue would be, mommy, is it okay that there's two men raising another baby? Is it okay that she has two daddies? Is it okay that he says that he's a boy, even though she's a girl? And I'm, and I'm being really bold in these conversations, but these are things that are happening in our schools right now. Right. And so the first thing, the first thing you should be able to pour out is you say, no, actually in Genesis, it says that God created man and then he created woman. And this is something that we do in our home almost every single day. We hold up the Bible, we touch it. I'm pretty literal about it. And I say, this is the word of God. And we believe the word of God is true, all of it. And so if the word of God, and I can say this to you lovingly, and as you raise up your babies, if we believe that the word of God is true, then that will help with that. So as you deal with worldviews, as you deal with social topics, as you deal with the confusion of, oh my gosh, I'm devastated because I don't know how to handle the situation. When you're bumped, when your cup is bumped, I pray that what's poured out is the word of God. I pray that the the grace of God is poured out. The love and mercy of God is poured out, not legalism and hatred and, and condemnation, but truth and wisdom. And so first and foremost, then second tier of that, because you need to know that that sounds super spiritual. We all need a good method on how to figure out how to handle a back-talking toddler and how to process an elementary school kid that refuses to eat their lunch and a teenager that's trying to figure out hormones and emotions. Like we need those helps. 
So in terms of that, mm-hmm. I think it's okay to not know that all the answers, we're not going to know all the answers. And so what do you do when you are really faced with those day-to-day life challenges? And I know mm-hmm. people are kind of navigating some waters right now with, with some stuff. I mean, we're yeah. We've got some behavior stuff that we're constantly having conversations about. And like, you go back to those things, integrity, being yeah. people, word, things like that, that, that we're working to instill in them. We're mm-hmm. training them up. So what do you use to come alongside and, and help you that you listen to or sound advice or what voices are you allowing to speak truth into your life so that you can be filled so then when you are bumped, you can pour out some good stuff. What do you like? Right. So my, my number one go-to across the board is power praying parent by stormy immersion. When you learn how to pray for your child and when you learn how to pray the power of God, the word of God over your child, it changes you trying to fix the behavior versus learning to minister to their heart. And I think that's key. I think so many of us, I'm still learning. I sound like I'm an authority here. You guys, I have a six-year-old and I cry on the regular. Like this is something I'm working through myself. And that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Do, you know, we're building the car as we're driving it. That's exactly right. We are totally, I'm holding on to a hubcap and a calibrator. You know what I mean? As we're, as we're, (laughs) we're, we're opening the manual. So it doesn't end in the (laughs) backyard. That's right. Um, So I think that's a key, a key one, because that's a phenomenal one. Another one is the art of parenting by Dennis, um, Rainey and his wife, and her name is not coming to me right now. Um, it's a phenomenal book. It's very consecutive to warrior razor in the context of the arrow raising, right? You shoot the arrow, but it's called the art of parenting. They have some pretty phenomenal foundational, um, how you handle some real, um, foundational issues, plus some real tactile issues that you deal with in different stages with your children. Another one that I'm loving right now, it's a brand new release. It's called, um, love centered parenting by, um, Oh, crystal pain, crystal pain. Yes. I'm so sorry. I, I went mom brain for a moment and it's phenomenal perspective on, um, again, changing the context of trying to parent through changing behavior modification to having a heart modification, which you need to know, I've worked through some real journeys with my little buddy. And the more I focused on, on actual actions and behavior, the more tension and conflict we had. Mm. When I flipped that to my presentation, my engagement and my response to his developmental stages, it was a game changer. And it was, um, and so that's one thing I would really recommend that anybody look at something that helps the parenting skills versus the behavior um, of the child. Cause sometimes it's actually your parenting. Well, speak to the, even from just like a simplistic perspective, uh, my middle guy, Elias did uh, aggressive speech therapy. He had the delayed uh, expressive disorder. He did not communicate for months and months and months. And I'll, to be honest, much of the therapy was for me and my husband. We had to really learn how to to, to teach him how to use his words and how to have power. And so I think that you can kind of use that same concept with anything because it's a partnership. We're in this with them. So we're learning right along with them. You know, I, let me give three more resources and I'll be done. These are three resources, resources. I often give to people parenting the strong-willed child by James Dobson is phenomenal. If you're looking for practical behavioral type manuals, anything James Dobson has put out or anything focused on the family has put out, you guys stamp it with approval and run with it. <laughs> Right. No, for real. The it's phenomenal. Yes. The second one is um, Shepherding Your Child's Heart by Tim. Shepherding Your Child's Heart by Paul Tripp is a phenomenal book. And the third book is um, The Power of a Positive Mom by Carol Ladd. 
those are some phenomenal resources that you can tuck into your arsenal package when you need to pull out, okay, like literally somebody's might meet Jesus today and we need some help. <laughs> like those are some good arsenal books. And you need the voices that have gone before you that can shout back, it'll be okay. Yeah. You might not use all of the theories or all of the method, but maybe you can get one thing that'll get yeah. you that sticky point in your parenting for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked a lot about mom life, mothering. Now, when you're, when you're doing this life in tandem with, with raising this next generation, it's very easy for us to get lost in the fray. It's very easy for us as mothers to get put on the back burner and let dreams and passions that God's birthed in us to go by the wayside. And sometimes we let them die and we, we have this altruistic, well, because this is my first priority. And I don't think that those have to be silos. I think that they can come together and that you can do things in tandem. Obviously raising our children is, is primary and our, and our biggest priority. But so what are you doing right now to pursue dreams and the calling that the Lord has on your life? Because I know you're still speaking, you're still teaching, but, but what are you doing on, on the regular to, to still pursue those things, those passions that the Lord has placed within you? So let me tell you one thing that was taught to me early on in my uh, adulthood, I'd say my mid twenties, I, there's a woman, um, her name is Terry Etling. She significantly spoke um, wisdom into my life, my sister's life. And I could go on for hours about her wisdom into my life. But one thing she said to me, she said, Angela, I take the time four times a year to write goals. I write vision. I write statement down. And she gave me um, a view into her, her uh, goal setting. She actually kept the notebook of it. And she kept goals with her, her finances, her spiritual life, her emotional relationships. And there was another category. And I took that and ran with it. And to this day, I still set somewhat of quarterly goals. I set goals in my ministry life. I set goals in my personal life. I set goals in some other areas. Ministry for me has always been a life. It's never been an event. It's never been, though it can be an event, it has not really been, my whole life has been ministry for the good and for the bad. And so in the season that I'm in now, when I write down and I cast vision over myself, or I pray that God would give me vision that I can cast forth and speak out, I'm actually in a unique season. I'm in a season of simmer. And that seems totally opposite to writing down specific, specific objectable, goal, objectable goals. I'm saying that wrong, but you know what I mean? That I can put my finger on and say, I'm going to create content for this ministry that I know I could, I could add benefit to, um, or the Lord is calling me to do this. Consistently, the Lord calls me to tell people about Jesus. Right now, he's telling me to do that through the heralding of worship. My husband is a, a worship pastor here at our church, and I partner with him in, in music and in worship ministry. Um, I am a part of our mom ministry here, Mom Life at Genoa Church. And so that's a significant part of my, my ministry. I'm, I'm part of our women's ministry here, so a significant part of my ministry. But I can tell you, I'm not itching and I'm not moving forward right now in objective, like, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. I'm telling you that whole long-winded story to say this. Sometimes it's okay to simmer. Now I've not pulled beef out of my stew. I've not pulled potatoes out of my stew. Think about it. You guys remember that movie about Julia Child and it's not coming to me the name of it again, but um, where she made the, the famous um, Julia Child's beef bourguignon 
uh, recipe, and I'm saying that name wrong too, but just roll with me because I'm a mom and I can mess it up and it all makes sense. But we, you know that, say it again. We follow you. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. But that pot of stew was amazing, but it was slow and they added things and they let it just sit there and simmer and stew. And then when that stew was ready to be eaten, because it had simmered for quite a bit of time with some fine ingredients, some really specific ingredients, it was exactly what it needed to be. The ingredients of my life right now are a season of of soaking in the word, of really dialing in on subtraction. What I mean by that is, is the Lord has really called me to release a lot of pride, a lot of um, self-ideological importances. Um, and what I mean by that is, is like, I need to be in charge of this, or I need to lead that, or I need to run and do this. Has the Lord called me to do that? Mm. And maybe he has, but right now I need to simmer in it to make sure. And that's kind of where I'm at. Elijah Joel partners with us in our ministry. He's always side by side with us. And so I've not backed away from ministry, but for sure, I'm in a season of simmering to see God specifically, what would you add anything to my pot before I present this before you? Because when I present what God's called me to do, I want it to be the most pleasing aroma to his ministry that I could be a part of. I think that's really important for moms to hear because you don't, I think our natural inclination is we got to be doing, we got to be going, we got to be, we get guilty if we we feel guilty, if we're going to sit and take a a rest period or nap when the baby's napping. It's like, no, there, there can be seasons of simmer because what happens in the simmer season, and that's when the flavor profile gets poured on and heaping up. When that, when that stew or whatever you're sitting in and settling in can simmer, it, it, it takes time and there's a maturity that happens in the flavoring. When and it's not, it's not uh, just sitting there, it's active. The heat is active. It's actively doing something. And so there's a difference between laziness and simmering, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I think that that's a really good thing to differentiate. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're doing nothing. It's right really sitting in where you are and not having to feel like you have to throw an extra ball in the air because sometimes we we think that we can handle it all and then we're not doing any of it really well when he's called us to something specific he's called us to something that you know we need to be in and, and see to its fullest capacity and to fruition before we move on to the next thing and I think that that's a good place to be there's wisdom that you have when you can sit there and look at it and say okay I'm okay to be be content with where I am so that's, I love that you're simmering. That's okay. So you simmer on girlfriend, you simmer. simmer pot. Okay. Um, so yeah, let me ask you, I got a couple more questions before you, but how would you want Elijah Joel to remember you? What's, what's the lasting legacy that you would, you would have for this, this parenting journey that you are on? Mm. Well, first and foremost, let me just goes to say, I would, I beg God every day that he sees Jesus in everything I do that he would see the passion that we have for him and that God would draw him into a saving relationship with him. You know, there's no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. And so that is not my responsibility to lead Elijah Joel to salvation. It is my responsibility to um, show him the true nature of my salvation. And so first and foremost, Jesus, the love I have for Jesus, the reality of Jesus, um, that's my foundation of his salvation. The next thing I would hope and pray that when Elijah grows up, He won't remember the words I said. He won't remember the dinners I made. Maybe he will. Um, But he will always remember how I made him feel. And I pray that he one day looks back and says, man, my mom loved me no matter what I said and no matter what I did, full of grace and full of love. 
And, and that's a hard thing because when you're type A and you're, you're running nonstop, that's intense. Yeah, that's, that is, it's true. It's, it's reality though. That's good. Okay. <laughs> my last question for you is what does uh, raising warriors mean to you? What does a raising a warrior mean to me? Well, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of unknown. It's a lot of every single day. I shut his little door at the end of the night after I put him to bed and I just like, we made it, Lord. <laughs> we made it. Speaking, of, I got one of mine in the room right now. I know, I love it. I didn't want to giggle earlier, but you're doing a great job. Raising, <laughs> raising a warrior basically means that we're equipping someone for a mission that we will not be a part of one day. Mm. And I, with all of my heart, beg God every day to the fullest of my capability to do the best I can to not derail that process and to not be nepotistic about the process, to not be uh, you know, egotistical about it, that God would give me the strength to raise up this building. Like, right, so I'm an architect, right? I'm helping build what Elijah Joel will be one day. You're an architect, you know, to your sweet kiddos. And, um, that when they go to the mission that God's called them to, that I'm not even really need to be known that he's just able to stand and be and do what God's called him to do. I hope he remembers me. I hope he calls me mom. And when he's on the football field, he yells out, Hey mom, but it's not about me. And so I, raising a warrior has everything to do with what God has called him to do and how I can equip him in that. And that's my, that's how I look at it. It's hard because I want him to be a mama's boy. And I want him to talk about me every day and all the sweat, blood and tears I've gone through to raise a stinking kid in six years. <laughs> but I pray that one day he's such a strong, mighty man of God that um, there will just be a foundation that somebody went before him. That's awesome. Thank you for being here today and for your flexibility and just all the wisdom that you have to offer. And I know that, you know, you say you just get your buddies, Elijah Joel's just, just six, but we are in the process and it's okay to, to have this, this view where we're like, okay, Lord, I don't know it all, but I do know some things and to right. that you do have, I think it's valuable. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me and blessings to this ministry and to anybody who's listening. I want to encourage you. This is the most difficult and amazing and phenomenal thing you've ever done. And good job. Well done, sweet mama. You can do it. Absolutely. Well, to all of our listeners, thank you for being here today. And to all of our fellow warrior raisers, aim your arrows well. 